più Zet International Zendation What good is sitting alone in your room Come hear the music play Life is a cabaret old chum Hello and welcome to Queer and Now, the Talk Film Society podcast where we take you on a time-hopping journey through queer cinema, going decade by decade to discover how it has evolved over the years. I am your co-host Dave and I'm here with Manish Mother, and we are not only in 2020, but we're going to be talking about 2020. So Manish, we have reached... We have reached the present year. Uh, we're ending our first decade of episodes. This is very exciting. Yes. It's, uh, it's a yeah, a momentous coming. occasion. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And what better way to mark a momentous occasion than with Portrait of a Lady on Fire? I mean, I think it just, it all evens out perfectly. It's a bit of a cheat because it didn't actually come out in 2020. It was first released in 2019, but I don't care. Uh, so we are going to talk about Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And I was actually, you know, I was kind of looking at, you know, we always talk about the other, the other queer movies that come out in whatever year. And like 2020 is a garbage fire of a year. So like movies don't really exist uh, in 2020. So uh, was there anything that you're aware of that came out in 2020? Uh, other queer movies? Um, I mean, I guess Birds of Prey kind of counts. I would count that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good call. Um, but you know, like we're recording this um, the week after Juno Prince Bites Woods, The Old Guard comes out, and I've not seen the film yet, but mm. I've heard that there's actually a like gay romantic subplot in the mm. film. Maybe I'll watch it. Then. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, like like um, actual representation, not like Marvel representation. Mm. Where imagine it's, like, that. Like, you know, support group or whatever. <laughs> More than three seconds of screen time? Hmm. Yeah. Imagine I th- I that. I there's a kiss, but... Wow. Know. All right. Well, that's yeah. something we'll have to check out for sure. Yeah. But I haven't seen the films. I can't attest to its passing of our test, but... Yes. Um, so one, yeah, of the, is, yeah. one of the things that I want to bring up... So we're going to talk about Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which... You know, one of the in our last episode, you had mentioned like being wary of being like, you know, putting something at the top when you've just seen it. Um, And I am going to flout your rules uh, with Portrait of a Lady on Fire because this is this is in like my personal like top 15 ever. Like, I think this this movie is a honest to God work of art. Like I it is perfect. Uh, And it's one of those movies, and this is very, it's not a mature reaction, but it's my reaction. It's one of those movies when people have negative things to say about it. Even if they're like, oh, I thought it was good, but this, this, this. I, like, get unfathomably angry. Like, I'm just like, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. This is, and this is a movie that it had a lot of buildup. Um, you know, we talked about the book smart thing and some people who I know had a similar reaction to this where they're like, God, enough about portrait of a lady on fire already. I just stop it. Like, let it go. Um, so there was a lot of buildup and yet 
when I, and this is another movie I went out of my way to see, you know, it wasn't playing at like, you know, your major theaters, of course. And it honestly, like, there's no way you could build this movie up enough. Like it is, it is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. And that goes across thousands and thousands of movies at this point. And I've watched it. It just came out in 2019. And I, I just checked because I, of course, like an idiot, log everything on Letterboxd. This is like the sixth or seventh time I've watched it. And, and it doesn't get less impactful. It's, it's just like every, you know, there's the, the whole thing, you know, when you see a great movie and you say like, oh, every frame is a painting. I think there used to be like a YouTube channel called that. But really, like you could, and I just recently watched it on One Crate, Perfect Crate. Shot. Yeah, yeah, similar to that, right? You could pause it at yeah. any moment and it's just like, ugh, beauty, like just phenomenal. And this is that kind of movie. And it is the first movie I've ever paid full price for as far as the Criterion goes. Uh, and I don't regret that at all. Like, it's absolutely worth it. It is just... I mean, it's it's amazing that if you look at Tiama's career, she hasn't made... It's not like this is, like, her 20th feature or something like that. Like, she actually hasn't made that many films. She's and, only made four. Yeah. And, like, where do you go from here? <laughs> Where do you go from Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Like, literally, you've in my mind, you have reached cinematic perfection. Where do you go after Portrait of a Lady on Fire? I just, I like, to me, that would be intimidating as a creator. Like, when you made something this phenomenal, it'd be like, oh, God, no pressure. Like, it's only, it's, it's been out for less than a year, and it's already on, you know, one of the, one of the biggest boutique labels that you could imagine on Criterion. Criterion, although they've done it more recently, tends to not go with like movies that just came out. They seem to have some handshake deal with Netflix, so like everything that came out on Netflix is going to Criterion. But other than that, they they don't tend to go super modern. So for them to have that immediate reaction and that immediate pull says something. Uh, and it makes me happy just because now it's like, oh, it's got supplemental materials and it's available in kind of the best possible format. So I'm super happy about yeah. it. Yeah. But like yeah. this is, I mean, I'm gushing and I will continue to gush. The Portrait of a Lady on Fire is one of the best films ever made. And uh, it's every once in a while a movie comes along and it happens for me like maybe once every decade where a movie will come along and you're like, okay, this this is why I spend so much time watching movies. This is what you can get every great once in a while. And it's one of those movies that like within like maybe 10 minutes, I knew I was watching something special and something different and something that I was going to remember for for years, for decades. Like I just knew and it never lets up. And like it's just like it's a movie that for me when a movie is that good as you're watching it a part of you is almost like oh god don't fuck it up don't no missteps it's don't don't do this don't do that and there's no there's no mistakes in this movie and i every time i watch it i'm like in awe of what she has done and what her two lead actresses have done in this movie yeah i mean it's i I can't even follow that up because like (laughs) It's just so well articulated. Um, 
Well, going back to this, you know, the, the my recency bias thing, it's not a rule. I'm just wary <laughs> that I'm... No, I, I agree. You have to be careful. To that. Yeah. Um, you know, I especially am very bad with that. But I mean, I, I, I think you're absolutely right, though. I mean, I think this is a one-of-a-kind movie. Um, I don't think... I mean, even within, you know, Siyama's other films, there's nothing like this. I mean... She, I believe, makes, you know, either current or contemporary films. And this yep. is her first, like, I mean, maybe her films are take place, like, a couple years before they're released. But, like, sure. this is her first, like, real period film. And, you know, it has all the harm- hallmarks of, you know, the period movie. It's very, you know, it's lavish looking. But also, like, not that lavish looking. I mean, it's like... It is, but it's not. You know, like there's mm-hmm. something very, um, very grounded to the way this film is made, and very um, almost primal in how like it's so stripped down, even with all these like trappings of like a big house and mm-hmm. you know these beautiful dresses and stuff. There's still such a like a low key feel to it that only adds to its sort of mystical. Other like otherworldliness, like a you know the ethereal feel as we has, mm-hmm. and you know I I do have one I'm sorry to say one quibble with it, which I think I may have told you before, but it's like not even something that I'm like that mad about. You know, it's just it's just something that I it's like something that that a lot of movies do that I don't really like, which is that you know in media res opening. Um, mm-hmm. But I think in this movie, like much like with, much like with like other ways, other films that, that start this way, I think, you know, in this one, there's just this like, I think it's just that that title is just so, like, like mysterious, Portrait of Lady on Fire, mm-hmm. that like, you kind of need to introduce it in this way, you know, you can't just like start this you can't just like jump into the story you need that level of like who is she you know that Mm -hmm. kind of thing um but i yeah this movie just has this like power to it i've only seen it twice um i saw it you know in theaters when i could which i definitely want to talk about the release of this movie a lot to say there jesus um makes me so angry yeah i saw it yeah i saw it at the uh the end of february and then I just watched it over the weekend on Hulu because, thanks to my, oh, thanks to my luck, when I ordered the Criterion through the sale at Barnes and Noble, it did not come in time. Uh, but I definitely, I mean, this is a movie that I, I just like, want to have it on my shelf. Yeah. You know, like it's just like that kind of movie. Like I might not watch it as many times as you do, but like I just want to like have it. Yeah. Just so I can like own like this like piece of like modern cinema like art yeah absolutely and it's another movie like we talked about on our last episode that i think rewards subsequent viewing something i noticed as oh yeah something i noticed i was watching it this time that it never really hit me is the kind of even though there are basically no men in this movie um there is there's also like this pressure of the male gaze thing going on like when uh, Eloise's mother is introduced like the first thing we talk about is like her 
you know, wanting to get this painting done so she can get married, this portrait, um, and then seeing her own portrait on the wall. And that's what was waiting for her um, when she came into her new home. So, like, isn't that so eerie to like see yourself? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, like not only like, see yourself, not only see yourself, but see yourself in the most flattering light possible. Something you can never yeah. truly live up to. And the and it's interesting. The only other like the only moment of levity that the film gives that character is her joking about how her friend is ugly. Like it's all about beauty. It's all about presentation. It's all about how you're seen. And that's exactly what her daughter doesn't want. Like it's just, and that's why she's so terrified of moving on to this life with this mystery man from Milan that she has no feelings for. And she has no interest in because like, there's that constant pressure. If you have to be this thing, you know, you don't know what it's going to be like, but it's, there's a performance to it. And I love that that, and that's something I never really clued into on previous viewings that I was just like, Oh, this is, this is the only thing that's going to be familiar when you leave is your own face and your own beauty. And you are marked by like, this is what you have to be at all times. So even though there's like, there's, I think there's like one man in the movie, um, not counting the scenes at the end when people are looking at the at the portraits and all that stuff, but one actual character, there's still this pressure of the outside world, which is why those moments where, you know, where the, the fire actually happens, where they're just like surrounded by women or even the, the abortion scene where it's just women and women supporting one another. It made me realize how how rare that is in film. To have a yeah. movie where the just men aren't present. Like, it's just like, we are going to follow these women on their journey and we're going to figure it out with them. And we're not going to bring men into the equation at all. And I was just like, and I remember when I first saw it, and I didn't see it in the theater when I first saw it. I saw it. I saw a screener of it because I pay to get, to get screeners every year. And I was just like, I yeah. I can't remember the last time I saw a movie that did this. I've certainly never seen a movie that did it this well. But there may be other movies that have only women. But this like really struck me as like, wow, this is wonderful and strange to see. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the pressure of the male gaze, which I think is really interesting because, like, I think this movie has that pressure, but also, like, works extremely hard to rebuke it. Yes. Um, I mean, like, for one thing, of course, like, not having many male characters and, like, even, like, seeing men at the end is, like, very jarring. Yes. You're like, oh, right, like, they exist. (laughs) Men exist, yes. Uh But I think, unfortunately, um, but I think what I find interesting, and uh, sorry, even the like, you know, with Marianne, you know, she creates that portrait which she doesn't like, but she could easily have been like, you know what, I'm gonna take the money and run and mm-hmm. just like let this be. And you know, part of me thinks that this guy in Milan won't even look at this portrait; he'll just approve it, and then you know, right. like he's not, he's not. You know, to borrow the phrase from the movie, like he's not an art critic, you know? Right, right. Like, I, he's like not even going to pay attention to it. Um, so Marion could just been like, all right, thanks, bye. But like, you know, she wants to have the painting from her own gaze. She mm-hmm. wants to see this woman from her own eyes. 
and not have her art just be a reflection of the male gaze, which I find very fascinating. And I think that's why this movie works so well as this, you know, haven of, mm-hmm. you know, women supporting women. And, you know, like you mentioned, the abortion scene and the, the bonfire and even just like the intensely slow buildup to, I mean, they don't even kiss, I think, until after the bonfire. Yeah. Right? It's like an hour and 20 seems, minutes into a two-hour yeah, movie. Like, it's crazy. Right. And, but there's just intense buildup, and they just live in this, you know, world that's just separated from all these forces that would separate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so absolutely. Just, I mean, yeah. and it's also a movie that it's just it's masterful in every way but like every every choice made is for a reason even something as that could be relatively small like there is a scene where she burns the the previous portrait and where the flame starts on the portrait is over her heart and that yeah. is where it's like burning it's pining and i was like you could have done that in any number of ways Right. You could have it could have lit from the bottom, could have lit from the top. But I love that, you know, our director here, this genius of cinema is like, no, every every choice, there's a reason for it. And even like I have also heard people, you know, complain about the in media res aspect of, you know, and saying the title in the very beginning and all that. But I love that. Um, and I usually don't. I usually have a negative reaction to that. Um, yeah. But I think the reason I don't after seeing it more than once is that there's, you know, there's a double meaning in the title, which I love, which you don't realize at the beginning of the movie. Right. It's like, oh, it's portrait of a lady on fire. It's literally a portrait of a lady on fire. OK, I get it. Cool. But really, it's about igniting passion. That is the story of this movie. This is the maybe the one time in this woman's life that she felt true, real passion. And it does a phenomenal job of, even though, like, you know, a lot of times you can view a movie like, say, you know, you're a man and you're watching queer women. You can sometimes there's a, a level of distance from it. And you're like, well, this isn't about me. This isn't for me, blah, blah, blah. But I think right. it, I think it manages to impart that feeling of that first exploration of physical love. And I watched this movie and there's like a certain line. I can't remember exactly what she says, but it's something about, do all lovers feel like this? Do they all feel like they're creating something? And I, and I see Uh, that on the screen and I'm like, that is it. That is what first love is like. That is what that exploration is like where you know especially if you do that when you're young and you haven't you know you haven't been exposed to any of this stuff and it's all a mystery and it's all different and it's all clumsy and yet there's this like raw passion to it and you feel like no one has ever done this before no one has ever truly felt like this before because that feeling of like falling for someone and falling in love with someone there's nothing like it and there will not there will never be another feeling like it after that first that first time you really feel that raw passion and love like there's nothing like it and this movie somehow manages to capture that feeling and it's not just the dialogue it's the way the bodies are framed there's a in that scene her hand is on her neck and there's something about that caress that is just like 
oh my god like there's not any actual like full-on sex scenes in this movie like this is not blue is the warmest color or anything like that but like it is so raw and close that there are moments in this movie where i felt like downright uncomfortable like i'm like i shouldn't be watching this in mixed company like this is so real and so intense that like you really do feel it and i just like and then you have these moments this kind of these pillow talk moments you know there's the kind of infamous now scene with the mirror which is again just a beautiful shot and just so well so well planned out and i'm trying to remember the name of the cinematographer um but it's the same cinematographer that also did atlantics uh in that same year and she just knocked it out of the park in both of those movies um, claire um methone I think. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's how you pronounce it. Just, yeah. She also did Stranger by the Lake. Yeah. Yeah. Just beautiful. Um, Absolutely beautiful. So, and those yeah. moments of intimacy really work too. It's one thing to create a work of passion. It's another thing to create a work of intimacy. And I don't know that I've ever seen another movie that manages to meld those two together, together so perfectly. Yeah. Like I just, every time I watch it, like I, I know what's coming. <laughs> I know how good it is, and yet every time I watch it, I'm just kind of in awe at watching this relationship grow and blossom. And it's in another way, it stands apart because I expected when I saw this, I expected this to end in tragedy. It's it's certainly bittersweet. You could see it as terrible. You could see it as truly, truly sad. But I don't read it that way. Um, It's not like it's full of hope, like they're going to be together in the end. But there is this moment of I'm remembered. Like when she sees that portrait and she sees her finger on that page number, the look on her face. Like we've talked a lot on this on this podcast about nonverbal acting and what goes on between the lines of dialogue. But this might be the best like just the way her eyes widen and you know you see her tear up just the tiniest bit and to realize it's not just me i'm not the only one who pines for her i'm not the only one who remembers she remembers me too i'm important and i just it just gets me and honestly the movie could end right there and still be perfect but it gets more perfect with that kind of second tier ending with her, like, kind of watching her at the, you know, listen to music and process everything. And, and it's like she gets to watch her lover remember her. And, like, who gets that opportunity? And it's just absolutely pitch perfect. Yeah, I mean, there's so much I want to respond to um, with that. I, I, um, I just want to go back to... Um, you know, that the portrait, you know, the, uh, you know, with her, you know, her finger on, on that page and sort of this idea of being remembered. I think, you know, we were saying how, like, well, you were saying how, like, this movie isn't, like, hopeful that, you know, these two could, like, get together. And it's kind of like, I don't want, like, that's not the ending I would want. Right. You know, like, I don't want Heloise to like run away and you know they get some apartment in Paris or Milan or whatever. <laughs> I don't want that. I mean that's a nice and that would be a happy ending and sure, but like in some ways this building of it's like you the way that she 
crafts the ending this way, it's almost like you get that ending in your mind, in your heart, but like yes. you also get this more realistic ending, but it's also an ending that's just so unbelievably romantic. Yes. Oh my god. Um and like it's like I I've been thinking a lot about movies that kind of give you like multiple endings at once because of like the implication. Mm-hmm. And I think this is like a perfect example of that because, like, all that you you, I might actually have to disagree with you because I think that you do have. There's some hope there, right? Like, it's not, it's like not a realistic hope, maybe, but it's like this idea that like they could have maybe it's like maybe it's a wistfulness, not hope, but like mm-hmm. it's like they they could have had something and. It would have worked because they were both feeling it. It wasn't, she mm-hmm. wasn't just some dalliance, you know. Right. Uh, Marianne wasn't just some dalliance. She wasn't just like, you know, something to do because, I mean, the Contessa, she was, she, I feel like she mentions a few times how bored Halloween is. Yes. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't and you be? There's like nothing to do. There's literally nothing to do. I'm like, can these, these, these girls please be on Twitter or something? Yes. Um, but like, it wasn't just, boredom and there was an actual connection there and like how much of it is so painfully unspoken in that first even though they do actually talk a lot and like they are very like open with their dialogue but in in some ways like there's no like oh my god do you like me you know there's no that um and so i think that like that flush of emotion that marianne has at the gallery and the like complete breakdown that my girl Heloise has at the opera or at the symphony like you just like you get that flutter of all these different potential endings and I think that's why like that last that last like 20 minutes of the movie like I okay when I was seeing this movie in theater and you have that great Orpheus callback which we have to get into next oh right yes like I'm like, what is this, like, epilogue? Like, come on. Like, (laughs) I was very skeptical of it. Because, you know, it's just like, like, it's just the kind of thing of, like, you don't need it, right? And I was, like, thinking back to the immediate res opening, being like, why is this unconventional movie being so conventional? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't need to see, like... I I don't need to see Marianne interacting with the real people. (laughs) I just want to... I want to... It's almost like I want to, like, you know... um, like fossilize that that those like weeks they had together right. at, the, at the castle I sort of in live that in memory those moments. as well yeah. Yeah. yeah and like not even think about them you know like it's it's kind of like how we're saying with the villa and call me by your name right like you don't yeah. want to see them in the outside world because right. like right. you just want to live in that like that one summer um, but then like as the ending just kept building and building and then of course you see the portrait and you're just like dying then you see the page number and you're dying <laughs> and then you go and like you're right like seeing your lover remember you like i would kill to have that to see that right you know because it's just like you just want that acknowledgement that like i was here you know i, I mattered. mattered i lived yeah yeah Abs- absolutely you know and it's interesting because this movie does some conventional things and then does some truly unconventional things um, one of the things I love that they don't do in this movie, there's never a scene where like they get caught. Yeah. You know, oh, like yeah. there's a there's a scene where they're like sleeping together and they, you know, and there's a knock on the door. 
Um, and in my head, I was like, oh, God, the Contessa is back. And now we're going to have to deal with this high drama nonsense. Yeah. But they never go there. They never get caught. Um, and but there's this there's this constant looming idea of she's leaving. There's nothing I can do about that. And I kind of love the fact that that happens, that they don't try to fix it. Like, the only fight they really get into is, like, her kind of blaming, you know, this woman for her own life circumstances that she can't do anything to change either. You know, but there's never this, like, well, we got to find a way out of it. It's like, no, this is our life. This is what it is. Let's, Let's capture this moment. Let's be together now. And, like, the fact that they, you know... They both, you know, end up with something to hold on to, like a piece of artwork to hold on to, to remember one another by, is absolutely stunningly beautiful. Like, every time I watch that interaction, where, you know, she sketches a picture of herself and makes a copy of, you know, of of her lover, and it's like, this is what I'm always going to hold with me, you know? And it's just like, oh my god, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that kind of love? Even if it's fleeting even if it only lasts for two weeks like just imagine not only experiencing that but bringing that with you and that is what portrait of a lady on fire lets us as the audience do it lets us be in that moment with these two women this like intensely like almost uncomfortably close moments that they that they share with one another yeah and then it allows us to separate from that, but also look back on it. And it, there's a certain universality to that remembrance, right? When we think about our first loves, when we th- think about the people that have mattered to us and look back on it, we may not want to be with those people anymore because, like, we are very different people than we were when we were 15 or 16, hopefully, you know, and, like, clearly there's yeah. a reason that that ended. And, you know, usually it's not as dramatic as, like, this person's being married off and we can't ever tell them about our secret love. But the idea that, like you mentioned, to know without beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are remembered, that we matter and that we are carried forward with them until the day they die, that is powerful. Like, that is that is why we tell stories about romance. That is why we tell stories about love. Yeah. Because that's what we all want. That's what we all want. With That's what we hope for, right? That's the pinnacle. And to, like, watch this and not only to have that happen, but to have it shown instead of like give some big monologue about like oh and she remembered me and isn't that wonderful like the only lead up that you get to that final absolutely brutal scene of her kind of both being like heaving tears and smiling so you get this like remembrance the only lead up to that is one line of dialogue of like voiceover of her saying i saw her one more time that's it. I know. And then you have that scene and the movie ends and that's it. And that's enough. Like that is enough for us to totally understand all of these complex emotions that are going on with both of these women at the same time. Like it's just, yeah, it's beautiful. Like I just, and this yeah. is why, like, I know I'm going on and on and gushing about this movie, but this is no, why, this is why when people were like, man, I thought it was okay or it wasn't as good as blah blah blah. Like I get, I have this visceral reaction. I'm like, what, 
what movie did you watch? Like, I, I honestly do, I cannot fathom how you can go in and watch this movie and not be swept away. And I am not the type of person that, like, every single romance, I'm like, oh, I'm just swept away with this. This is so great. Like, this is, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is in a different category. Like, there, this is like, like, anyone who knows me, when I put it in this category, not in terms of romance, but in terms of grand sweeping movies, you know how serious I am. Like, this is like Lawrence of Arabia level stuff. Like, this is as good as it gets. Like, this is fucking fantastic. And I will yeah. not stand for dissenting opinions on Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Well, you wanted to send something fun that I did. Um, I went on Letterboxd and mm-hmm. I filtered the reviews to get the lowest ratings for Oh, us. God. And then I especially looked for queer women writing one-star reviews this movie. <laughs> okay. There aren't that many, but some of them are very entertaining. Um, <laughs> basically, the main thing was, like, how come we only get sad movies about lesbians? Oh, sure. It's and, valid. like, this movie was made for a straight male audience, which oh, is not valid. I don't think I mean, I, But the thing is that, like, to write this ending off, to write this movie off as like sad or happy is almost reductive because like Not almost it's the, insanely yeah, reductive. It's totally reductive, yeah, because it's just it's so much more than that. Like it's so much about that like all the different ways that like sad and happy can like um, feel to you, and like all the different combinations of all these different emotions because like. You know, they have this, like, picturesque, like, two weeks, but they know it's ending, but it's almost perfect. And, like, you're so right about there being no getting caught scene. Like, thank God for that. Like, mm. I hate scenes like that. Yeah. It fills me with someone's anxiety. Right. <laughs> um, and, like, not not the fun kind of anxiety, but, like, the stressful kind. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, like, um, like, this movie just has this, like, mythical feel to it right like you can't just say well this movie has a sad ending because like this movie like almost isn't a movie it's like a myth it's like a love legend you know there's just like it's something bigger than you know this movie is is even bigger than carol which is like yeah such a like i would never have thought that i thought carol was like the epitome of queer romance and like all it can do and like Carol's still Carol, you know, no offense to Carol, but yes, like this movie just, great. is on a different level. It is. And like, um, yeah, I just like, and then, you know what, when they bring in the Orpheus myth, mm. it's just like, oh my God, there's that shot of like, almost that like ghostly figure. Oh my God. Oh. It's like, you can't, I can't even like, you can't even just like, like just that, that a movie can do something like that. And like, almost replay this like Orpheus myth Orpheus myth and like in a way that's like almost subtle and that like I kind of like almost forgot they had discussed that when that scene happened. He's just like it doesn't even click and then it clicks and you're like, oh my God. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's so subtle. And I like how it all like ties together with her piece that she ends up you know, ends up uh, painting and it just, you know, it's all connected. And it's so interesting. When I first watched this, I was like, oh, man, is this going to turn into like a ghost story? Like when you see her dressed all in white, like it's very it's very like Jane Eyre, 
you know, like yeah. the, the ghost in the attic, like that kind of stuff. Um, right. But the way they kind of tie that all in and that last moment as she's leaving, that's like kind of up for debate, like whether that's what's real and what's not. And it's just and I love the fact that it doesn't explain itself. It doesn't really right. matter if any of that stuff is real. So it's just absolutely beautiful. But can we talk about like the reveal of Heloise? Like, when she first shows up, when at first all you see is her from the back and everything is covered. And, oh, my God, the costumes just absolutely beautiful. Looks like hand-stitched. Oh, my God. Just And the way, like, just the first thing that's revealed is just her hair. That's all you see is just the blonde as as this kind of, like, unveiling as the hood drops down. And I love the fact that when you see her, she's not like perfectly put together, right? The hair isn't like in a tight bun. It's not perfectly styled. It's like wild and loose and just, and you know, cause this story is about her being lit, her being lit on fire from inside out. And that is then that when she's first revealed, it's the first moment where you see like, oh, there's, there's passion here. There's something here, even before anything has happened between them. Like she's just dying to release something because she's been, you know, she's essentially been told like, you can't do anything. You have to stay inside. You can't leave. Here is what you can do. And this is her. And she's finally given this opportunity. And that's such a powerful set of set of lines when she says like, I've been, you know, I, I, I've been wanting to do that for so long, like just to be free, just to run, you know, like finally. And this is like, and the fact that she does this with her means something that this woman becomes kind of the symbol of like freedom and being her true self, you know, and, and, you know, speaking about the costumes, like with the kind of scarf over the fit, like just, Oh my God, like some of mythical, it really is like, that is the perfect descriptor for it. And just seeing this in action, like every time I watch it, I, it's one of those movies I keep waiting for it to lose its luster because I've seen it so many times, but like it's, it's, and it's not a movie I can watch in the background. And not just yeah. because it's subtitled, but like if I, I put it on, like I like the phone goes away and I am focused. Like this is, it's something special and you don't get movies like this very often. And it's one of those things like maybe some people may think I'm making a too big of a deal of this, but like these, it matters. And we are so lucky. Yeah. Like I count myself lucky to be living at a time that portrait of a lady on fire came out that I could see it in a theater that I could own it and that I could watch it anytime I want, that I could relive this anytime I want. Cause there's just, there's not that many movies like this. Like this is in the upper echelon for me. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and, um, I also love how like the specter of death is just all mm. over this movie. I mean, like, yes, you know, especially with, you know, Heloise's sister, like having thrown herself onto the rocks. Yes. And then that fear that like Halloween's could do that as well, and it's like, is this just a um, a self fulfilling prophecy, right? Like right. that just adds this mythical element. Like, is it just like this like family curse that these two women are just gonna, right? You know, throw themselves off a cliff because of their you know circumstances, mm-hmm. but and she might have done it without Marianne being there. I right. mean. You know, she has that one last connection, that one outlet to like be herself, create like to be herself and express herself. Then, 
you know, she's able to then survive almost the rest of her life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's just, I mean, I could literally talk about this movie for like the next three hours, but yeah, there's, there's another thing that I noticed in watching it this time. There's, she's trying to get her to smile, right? Cause she, she's got to see her face. She's got to see what she's going to paint. Uh, and I love that, you know, this other female character who ends up getting the abortion is like, well, have you, you know, have you tried to joke? You know, that tends to make people laugh. And I love that that's not, yeah. that's, that's not what she does. But instead, what makes her smile is a shared moment between the two of them where they're talking about music and she's guiding her into some level of positivity about her future. That's what connects them. That's the thing, like giving hope. This is the first time that she's really felt hope in who knows how long. Could be decades, Uh you know, like maybe she's never felt this level of hope in her entire life. And the way that she gets that is sitting next to this woman while while she plays this instrument, you know, and then ever and ever since that moment, the thing I love about this, about their interaction, she can't stop smiling. Yeah. Like there's that whole sequence, which could have gone any number of different ways where she's posing for her finally, like agreeing to pose for her. And she has this like shit eating grin on her face. Like she just can't, she's just so happy. She can't believe that she's with this person and everything is so great. And the reaction is her like telling her to be serious, but then she melts, you know, and she goes up to her and kisses her. And it's just like, Ugh, this is romance. This is love. This is what we all want, you know, at some level. And you get to see it in this really, it's a really quick microcosm of all of those feelings. And yet it's paced so perfectly that there's not a single moment in this where I'm like, oh, they rushed that moment. You know, and even the right. the whole thing with like, you know, this plant, it'll make, you know, it'll make moments last longer. I'm like, oh, God, yes, make this last longer. This is what I want out of this movie right now. I just want to live in this relationship for as long as I possibly can. And I also love that there's not there's not a lot of painful goodbyes either. Because, again, they both know this is going to happen. So there's not this, like, long, drawn-out, like, tearful goodbye and, like, you're breaking my heart. I can't live without – none of that. They both know the world they live in and they figure out ways to move in that world. I mean, you know, one of our lead characters who's the portrait artist is like, yeah, you know, like, I'm kept out of this world because I'm a woman. So I – you know, I've made agreements and I've figured out how to make it work because otherwise I can't do the job. I can't have the career that I really, really want. And she finds a way. And both of these women end up finding finding a way, even if finding a way becomes remembrances and these small things, a page number in a book, you know, like mm-hmm. a a little a little charcoal drawing of the other person. Right. That has to be enough. Yeah. I mean, I really, I'm I'm struggling to respond to that because I think you put it so eloquently. I don't want to tarnish it by <laughs> you know adding to it. But I think that yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, just not to get all like annoying or sappy or whatever, but just the way you talk about this movie is so. It's just nice to hear. I mean, like. I love this movie, but even hearing you talk about it, I'm just like, man, I kind of want, want to watch it again <laughs> right after we hang out. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And then go to sleep to it because it has that, it has that rhythm to it, you yes. know? And, and even like, 
the bonfire scene, which I think is oh. like masterclass of filmmaking. God, so beautiful. Like, you know, it has that rhythm. And you just feel this like. I mean, this might just feel this might seem icky to say because we're two men, but like this like feminine energy of this movie, I feel like is totally perfectly portrayed in that mm-hmm. bonfire sequence. Um, yeah, and there's even like you know that sequence, <laughs> the fact that it's essentially scored by female power, yeah. like the the music and you know the everyone around this bonfire, like it's absolutely perfect. And like honestly, it's just like a I could would just watch that scene on its own. You don't need to speak the language. You don't need to know anything. And you could just like revel in that beauty and in that power. And it just like just resonates both like in a literal sense and a figurative sense. And I mean like her um, her dress catches on fire and like they don't she doesn't even notice, they're just looking at each other mm-hmm. and these like two women come and like put it out and then she faints. Mm-hmm. And it's like again, it's that thing of just like over, being overwhelmed. Yep. Yep. And all that matters, I love the fact that she doesn't notice and all that matters is yeah. that other person, like staring at each other across the, across the fire while you're in danger and you don't even know it like that. If that isn't like passionate first love, I don't know what is like that. Yeah. That solidifies it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, is there anything else I want to bring up about the abortion? And like that, the, the, that character. So there's a lot going on in that scene. Um, yeah. And there are moments of it that are brutal to watch. Like the fact that there is a, you know, there's a basically an infant child. I know. Crawling so on her and playing and doesn't, you know, of course, doesn't realize anything that's going on. And you see her. <laughs> no, just, I think she so doesn't make a dumb joke, but go ahead. <laughs> and you see her just like crying just kind of breaking down and that you know that it's still painful both emotionally and physically and it's something that she has to go through right and the fact that but i also love that like they recreate that sequence um with the with the three of them when they go back home and 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 paint it in a way that it's like no this is actually this is actually a positive look at this woman helping this other woman and the fact that that woman who had helped her has a child like i think there's a there's a there's a simplistic way to be like oh this woman is like you know giving these women abortions so clearly she's not maternal or anything like that but i so i love the fact that there is a child in that sequence and it's just absolutely stunning so you have both sides of it right you have this creation of life but you also have this like these women need to help each other because no one else is going to, right? Right. It's, it's all up to them, and I think it's just perfect. And I love how the abortion doesn't quite take, right? You know, um, right. first time. Yep. And like, I mean, this like the scenes of them like doing all these things to in- induce the abortion. Like, <laughs> there's some level of like camaraderie there, and yeah. like, you know working to figure it out and just like trying new things like um okay this is not really dumb but like when they're kind of like pushing her across back back and forth each other is that part of the abortion process yeah i mean i think they're trying to trying to like trying to kill the unborn child yeah 
You know, like they tried that. They tried that, like the thing on the hanging thing. She, yeah, was, yeah. Yes. <laughs> which is and like a morbidly funny moment. But it's really funny. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, um, but what I love is that like it's not just like this like easy thing of like okay, let's just you know like give her this like potion and then it's happened. It's like this like right. ruling process and like. It really makes you think about just like how alone these like women are. Right. Like, yeah. They can't just like go to like well, even now you can't just go to a clinic, but like it's like you just have to do all these things and just like hope it sticks. Like yeah. hope it takes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's just so like again, this sort of like women and this like women's energy that this movie has is just like you know, the the sermon is essentially essentially a stranger to both of them, but they're like risking everything to help her. Yeah. It's just, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, I could just sum it up. It's a, it's a perfect movie. Like there's very yeah. few of those, but it's, I find no fault with it. I gain something new every time I watch it and I feel grateful that it exists. It's perfect. Yeah. Cannot disagree. All right. So now we get to our Russo test. Uh, film contains a character that is identifiably lesbian, gay, bisexual, and or trans. So, you know, we've gotten into these discussions before. Do you think do you think either of these women would identify as lesbian or bisexual or queer? I don't know. I mean this is always the this is always the thing. This is my my bit. Like, <laughs> do they actually identify? I mean, I can see a case for yes and no and, like, yes and no mm-hmm. for, like, each of them. Like, I can see maybe Marianne because she's, like, Same. maybe more worldly. Yes. I feel like, you know, there's a possibility, not that she could ever get over Heloise, but there's a possibility where she can, like, live with a woman. And yeah. it's, like, you know. And Heloise, I think... I don't know. I want to say no because she's sort of in that like, you know, she's the more like repressed one. But there's that element of the fact that like, you know, she put that page number in her portrait and yes. she's yeah. having this visceral reaction to the music. That mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe she would also because like this did mean something to her. And yeah. like, you know, I, they didn't have, of course, yeah. I think they both do. Um, and, yeah. I, and of course, there's arguments to be weighed either way because there's not a declaration. Um, but yeah. I think given like, that given that Marianne is like off and doing her own thing and seems to be single and like just you know you know throwing herself into into her artwork, I feel like oh yeah, independently she would, wealthy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and as you mentioned, Heloise, you know, including that page number page number in her portrait with her daughter. I mean, just because you don't say it out loud to other people doesn't mean you don't own it, right? It can be a private thing, right? Uh, right. And I think if she would, and who knows if she ever had anyone like this, but if she had someone she trusted completely and they asked her, you know, who is who is the love of your life, she would tell them it was Marianne. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. So I think she owns that internally, if not externally. Yeah. So two, the character must not be solely or predominantly defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity. And I think uh, I think this one passes fairly easily. 
Um, yeah, I I don't think it. I don't think either of them are totally dependent on their sexual identity. I think I mean obviously Marianne, you know, is on her kind of journey as an artist, and that's really important to her. And like I think uh, Heloise is just finding herself. Like even though this is a romance and this is a, is about that, it's also about her figuring out what her life is going to be and finding out yeah. not only who she loves but what she loves. So I think there's plenty there for both of them. Um, and then the third and easiest part, the LGBTQ character must be tied into the plot into such a way that their removal would have a significant effect. This is a romance. If you remove either one of these, there is no story. Right. Um, so right. clearly. So, yeah. So I think it, it satisfies all three of those because it's a perfect movie. Of course, it satisfies all three of those. Um, so before we close up here, um, what did you learn um, from rewatching Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> this question is always so difficult for me because it's hard for me to articulate. Um, I think watching it again, I'm just so struck by just how, like, how you can be so visually subtle but also extremely emotional. And you could also, like, learn just about, like, this sort of idea of being sort of finding this person who can just like reach into your soul and mm. and take your heart you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you just like have that like connection with someone and how like if it doesn't last past you know whatever time like that time together is still significant even if it doesn't last forever and i think right. that's it's something that this movie does this movie depicts so well because this movie is all about that compressed time. It's all about this sort of impending return to the male gaze, mm-hmm. you know, that's, and, but you know, that's still, again, it's like that little piece of her still matters and yeah. can't, won't be forgotten. Yeah. And I like the idea that even if it doesn't last forever, it does last forever. You know, like, even though, like, your time together doesn't last forever, that passion, that emotion can. Um, Yeah. So I guess, like, two things. One, perfect movies do exist. Um, I learned that uh, once again. Um, And two, like, not to get, like, all sappy, but, like, this is the first, like, rewatching this is the first time in a long time, like because it throws you into that feeling of pure passion and pure love. So for some in a long time, like I've watched a movie and been like, yeah, I think I could be in a relationship again. Like that looks amazing. And not just because of the sexual aspect, but just the like, because sometimes when you go through, you know, intense breakups or divorces, like sometimes you're like, well, I never want to deal with that again. So I'm fine being alone. But then you watch something like this and you're like, yeah, no, like I'm yeah. meant to be with somebody. It doesn't have to be that person, but someone. Um, so like this is like this to me, like not to put too fine a point. This is like the power of great cinema. It can make you like remember how important connection is and how important romance is. And there's not very many movies that do that. Uh, but for me, Portrait of a Lady on Fire does. So that is what I have learned. Huh. All right. Um, I am exhausted um, for talking about Portrait I know, I was going to say, like, I'm so tired. I'm so, like, spent. <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, in our next episode, going to be very, very different because we have finished our first decade. Um, so congratulations nice. to us. Pat ourselves on the back. 
Um, so now we go way back in time. We go from the 2010s all the way back to the 1930s. Um, so hopefully we have drawn you in with our take on modern movies and now we can drag you along to the 1930s. So the first movie that we will talk about is a movie I've never heard of and don't know anything about uh, from 1930 called Morocco. So that is the first one we will be looking at. Um, but... Until then, uh, Manish, tell people where they can find you online. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the Manish eighty nine. That's T H E M A N I S H eight nine. Also, at Talk Film Society, where you can read some of my writing and catch up on my other podcast, It Pod to Be You, which you can find on Twitter at It Pod to Be You. Dave, how about you? Where can where can people find you? Yeah, you can, of course, find me on Twitter at Dave A. Giannini. And uh, if you want to hear a lot more about Portrait of a Lady on Fire, just stay tuned to that feed. And I'm sure I'll watch it again and gush about it again, because uh, it's it's a movie that I continually go back to. So be sure to check me out there. And also, um, if you haven't followed the podcast by now, you should have. Um, and we are at We Are In Now Pod. And we will talk to you on our next episode. Have a